Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Monday, March the 4th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, men running around in their underwear. We've got a two-part combine special coming up here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Today, we'll tackle the offensive prospects and tell you what Miami is looking for at each position at all of those position groups, get you up to date on the latest news regarding Ryan Tannehill, Kyler Murray, Trey Flowers, and all the Dolphins' confirmed prospect meetings at Indianapolis, and a prediction on the quarterback that will be attached to the hip of Brian Flores. We have a busy, busy show, but before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcast from. Those subscriptions, those retweets, all the stuff that gets us out to more Dolphins fans helps us immensely. So if you're a fan of the show, please go ahead and do that. Also, follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. I have my offensive combine notes up there right now for even more in-depth detail of the stuff we're going to cover here on the podcast today. Check that out. And of course, some news over the weekend. Players being cut or rumored to be cut. Lots and lots of stuff up on LOD.com. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Draft Dudes podcast and the Locked On NFL Draft podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. I have a lot to get to. Let's jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins Some news items to get to here to start the podcast off. And things came down Saturday morning regarding the Dolphins quarterback and a pass rusher that got a bad contract a couple of years ago. We'll start there with the quarterback. NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, Rap Sheet, we all know who he is, reported that the Dolphins will look to trade Ryan Tannehill and his $18.75 million salary that's attached to his potential acquisition this offseason But because of that number attached to Tannehill, it seems unlikely, which means he's likely to be cut here very shortly. We've been hearing that for a while now. I talked on Friday about the fact that he could be back as kind of a caretaker, but I ultimately believed and still feel, and still feel this way that the cut just has to be seamless and right down the middle. You have to part ways with Ryan Tannehill. It's just, it's time to move on. Even if he might be your best option this year to play quarterback, it's time to move on from Ryan Tannehill, and that sounds like what they're going to do with the Dolphins. As far as the quarterback, we all hope replaces him. It sounds like that's not going to happen either, and I've been talking about it for a while now, but Tony Pauline, who actually has a note we're going to talk about here in a second regarding another player coming to Miami, reports that Cliff Kingsbury is telling people in Indianapolis that the Cardinals will select Kyler Murray with the first pick in the draft, and that it's a done deal at this point. I just don't see how that's not like already pretty well known or pretty well perceived by the rest of the NFL fan bases out there. He's the best quarterback in the draft. He's the best fit for that scheme. He's the most electrifying player. He can bring some buzz and excitement to an Arizona Cardinals team that is dead and completely void of all of that type of stuff. And he's just a way better player than Josh Rosen. So it makes total sense. That's got to be part of the reason they hired Cliff Kingsbury. That's got to be part of the reason that Cliff Kingsbury took that job and spurned USC or turned down the New York Jets and all the NFL jobs he had offered to him. Why would he take that job with the intention of taking Kyle 
Kyler Murray. That is probably what is going to happen, which also sucks for the Dolphins because now Nick Bosa probably goes number two to the Niners and the Jets probably get Quinn Williams with a third pick, which is going to be terrible news because that guy is just an absolute monster. And we'll cover Quinnen and the rest of the defensive players on tomorrow's podcast here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we'll finish this show up by talking about which quarterback I believe Brian Flores and Chris Greer will attach their job securities to long-term. But let's go ahead and change gears here and talk real quick before we get back into the quarterbacks about a report that came out late Thursday right after I published the Friday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast with Tony Pauline, the same source as the guy that mentions this Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray nugget, said that the Dolphins are front runners to sign free agent defensive end from New England, Trey Flowers. You guys have heard me talk about his fit in the scheme for a long time. He is a plug-and-play player that can give you 80, 90% of the snaps. I mean, probably doesn't have to come off the field all that much, can earn that paycheck in that regard. He can pressure the quarterback with the likes of Von Miller. He had a very similar pass rush productivity to Von Miller in 2018. The guy's a beast against the run. He can set the edge. He can rush the quarterback. He can play five technique, three technique, seven technique. He is just the perfect, perfect piece to make this operation work up front. And then the Dolphins can maybe focus some of their resources more on the back end and really build up a strong defense as early as 2019. I talked about the idea of trading back into the draft and going after the defensive backs like a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or a Jonathan Abram or a Rocky Sin and building up that group because they need more bodies and just rolling with Trey Flowers and what they have right now because he makes that defensive line around Vincent Taylor and Devon Godshaw so much better with the linebackers and Jerome Baker and Raquan McMillan already in-house you're starting to add pieces to a defense that could be pretty great once they finally get some good coaching, which they haven't had in a long, long time. So that's a good bit of news for the Dolphins heading into the weekend. But let's go ahead and transition back to the combine and talk about the quarterbacks that worked out. As we mentioned that the Dolphins probably move on from Ryan Tannehill, out of range for Kyler Murray. And Dwayne Haskins, despite his slow 40 time, I thought he spun the ball better than anybody else on the field in Indianapolis. But I don't think the Dolphins are going to get a crack at Dwayne Haskins. Some people think he might be able to fall to 13. I'm not buying it. Even if you have Nick Foles or the Jaguars, even if you have the Giants going after a Josh Rosen, I just think somebody else will value Dwayne Haskins more than Miami will and will come up the draft board to take him and draft him in the top five somewhere. And I just don't think that it's worth the Dolphins time to make the move to go get Dwayne Haskins because I don't view him as a guy that really moves the needle, a guy that is a top 10 quarterback prospect long-term in the NFL. I think he could be a solid starter, but I'm not trading assets to go out and get a guy like that, like I would for a guy like Kyler Murray, who I believe could be the best quarterback in the league by himself in a few years. So that's why I'm off the Dwayne Haskins train. Daniel Jones, for all intents and purposes, to me, looks like an undraftable guy. And I'm not one to box score scout, but arguing with somebody about Daniel Jones's accuracy issues, the guy only completed 62% of his passes as a redshirt freshman. He completed 56% of his passes as a sophomore and then back to 60.5% as a junior. He was terrible at the combine at the senior bowl. The guy just can't throw with accuracy. He can't throw down the football field. Yeah, he's cerebrally great and all this stuff, but he's just not a draftable prospect for me. Let's go ahead and move on from that idea. Drew Locke is the opposite. He has the big arm, the big cannon. He can throw from different angles, but those different angles and the quick release shows so much inconsistency and it causes the ball to go all over the place. I thought Will Greer and Ryan Finley were in that Daniel Jones group as far as not having the requisite arm strength. 
to play at the next level. And for my money, there are two quarterbacks worth taking a risk on if you can't get Dwayne Haskins at 13 staying put or trading up for Kyler Murray. And they are Auburn's Jarrett Stidham and Buffalo's Tyree Jackson. Stidham and Jackson both have the big time arms. And the reason I go after guys like this is because they are impressive balls of clay that have to be molded. Stidham was a five-star recruit out of high school. It just never came together for him in Auburn. Tyree Jackson, 6'7", is a bit of a misnomer as far as successful quarterbacks in the NFL. But he has the huge arm. He has plus athleticism. I think if you're going to take a chance on a guy, make him physically impressive and see if you can mold him that way. So Stidham and Jackson, my two choices on day three. And just bypass the quarterback back altogether. And if he goes undrafted, give me Gardner Minshew out of my own alma mater, Washington State. Go Cougs, baby, because he's infectious. He's fun to be around. He's a sharp processor and a hard worker. He wanted to be a coach if he couldn't make it work with the Cougs last year, but obviously he did. I just don't think he has the physical traits to make it happen. But to me, as an undrafted free agent, he's a guy you can develop, get into your offense, get everybody in the locker room just absolutely loving him. And then when you need him to come into a game when your starter gets hurt, he can kind of spark the offense and spark a huddle. And he's a gamer. He can be a guy that gets them back into the game and wins a game in a pinch when you need him. So running a little bit long on this first segment, I'm going to come back on the other side and talk about what the Dolphins look for in a quarterback prospect, as well as all the other offensive positions and talk about the players that shine the most, some combine visits and meets for the Dolphins confirmed, as well as my prediction for who the Dolphins quarterback will be long-term under Brian Flores and Chris Greer. All of that and a whole lot more coming up next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. We're going to bump that quarterback needs traits for the Miami Dolphins heading forward to the final segment when we talk about who the quarterback is going to be long-term under Brian Flores because the truth is whoever the quarterback is that Brian Flores and Chris Greer select ultimately is going to be the guy that determines their job security. So we'll talk about the things they look for in quarterbacks as well as wide receivers, offensive line, tight ends, running backs. And we'll start here with the wide receivers because The group the Dolphins have at wide receiver right now, I think is mostly complete. They could look to add a couple of guys probably later on in the draft class. And the things they're going to look for are slot receivers and guys that can play that boundary X position. And some of the traits you look for in that is the three cone time, but also the whiteboard sessions, because we know this offense is predicated on sight adjustments and being in the right spot at the right time. And the ability of these guys to have the correct footwork and timing in their routes, because it has to be all on time and in rhythm and on pattern for the quarterback to be accurate in his game. And who else will we start with here besides Hunter Renfro, who to me is that guy that you face in baseball that you're looking up and saying, I'm going to get three doubles, maybe a home run off this guy today. And then at the end of the game, you're 0 for 4 with four ground outs, wondering how the hell that happened. He is just a money down receiver. He sells every route identically to the other one. He creates separation at the top of the route. And he didn't really test that great, but he just looks so fluid in the on-field drills. I love Renfro's game. I think Miami will be all over him if he's available on day three. Georgia's Riley Ridley is kind of in that same mold. He has physical makeup that could intrigue the Dolphins. He catches the ball cleanly. Could be that ex-boundary receiver. And then Louisville's Jalen Smith, I think, has a chance to be a slot guy that is different than most players in the slot because he has that vertical speed and runs those vertical threats all game long down there for the Louisville Cardinal. 
And I'll mention his name once more, David Sills V, just so ultra smooth and productive, the best long ball tracker in this game. And of course, Andy Isabella from UMass would fit the bill of a Chad O'Shea receiver as far as Julian Edelman goes. Now let's go ahead and change gears here and talk about the tight ends a little bit. I think the tight end position is going to be difficult to figure because we don't know what we have in Gasicki and Smythe, although one guy's more blocking prowess, one guy's more receiving prowess, even though Gasicki has to get more functional strength into his game and get better on contact balance because he got bumped and thrown off everything last year. I think Miami could look to go for more of the inline Y types because you saw what Gronkowski did in the playoffs as far as just blocking out the sun and not really having the receiving stats, but being a huge contributor essentially as an extra offensive lineman. Notre Dame's Ali's Mack, I think, comes from that same power running program that the Dolphins had with Durham Smythe in Notre Dame. I think he's a more polished pass catcher and looked good in the drills. Alabama's Irv Smith, I had to put him on the list because he's just so damn good looking, but I think he goes higher than the Dolphins can afford to spend a pick on a tight end and a more realistic later round option. A guy that is also coming from a power running program at San Diego State is Cahill Waring. He looks so impressive in gym shorts, measured well across every single test, six foot five, 250 pounds, comfortable catching the football. And like I said, SDSU runs the ball straight downhill and he was a big part of that. And the Patriots rostered James Devlin last year, a true fullback. I'm not sure if the Dolphins will do that, but if they want to go more for the conversion route, like a Nick O'Leary, West Virginia's Trayvon Wesco is built like a fullback and has those powerful tree trunk legs, and he leads up into the hole sometimes as a blocker. I think he has a good striking ability in the bag drills, but also balance and natural hands as a route runner and through that gauntlet drill they put those guys through. So tight end, we'll see what happens there. Going forward to running backs, I think it's all about the pass catcher here for the Dolphins. I think Drake and Balage are going to be 1A and 1B in 2019, but you might draft a guy with the idea of making him a third down back and also the idea that he could take over for K. Drake in 2020 if he is not re-signed to a contract and Penn State's Miles Sanders I've been talking about him on the podcast over and over again and he tested that way and ran that way in the drills as if the best pass catching back in this class he looks very impressive I think he probably goes in round two round three at this point because he looks phenomenal out of the Dolphins range a guy more in Miami's range maybe in round four five or six Washington State's James Williams he led FBS last year in running back receptions with 89 and that showed in his workout he runs the full route tree. He can make guys miss in the open field and he ta- he tracks the ball so well down the field. I had to mention Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State because of his 4-4 speed. If the Dolphins do go to a zone blocking scheme, it just takes a very small crease for him to hit it up in there and make a difference with a 75-yard touchdown run. There are more traditional backs available. Georgia's Elijah Holyfield, I think, is going to be that bruiser you look for later on. Washington's Miles Gaskin is smooth and can catch the ball out of the backfield. He had four straight years of 1,200 rushing yards at Washington. Dude a beast. Boise State's Alexander Madison is going to remind you of Jay Ajayi. I like his game a lot. And Travion Williams out of Texas A&M has that character we're going to talk about more and more here because the Dolphins made it very clear they prioritize love of the game, work ethic, and guys that just have that infectious mentality. And that's who Travion Williams is. And now we save the beef for last. And this is the position group that I think Miami will be more inclined to draft early in the class as far as the first and second and third rounds go, opposed to receiver and running back and tight end, and even quarterback for my money there. We'll come back to quarterback in the next segment. But the offensive line, this is a great year to need interior help, and the Dolphins need it in the worst way possible. Could be looking at replacing all three positions on the interior for the Dolphins, and I think what they're going to look for in offensive linemen, as far as the interior goes, is the smooth feet 
and good testing numbers as far as the broad jump and the vertical jump because that shows more lower body explosion and the ability to move guys that way, but also anchor and pass protection. The Patriots do have a weird mold of offensive line. It never seems to be consistent with one another. I think Laramie Tunzel and Jawan James, however, are both athletic tackles that have the size on the outside and length as well. So you might look for that for a tackle. If they can't bring Jawan James back, I think the USC tackle, his name was Chuma Adoga, I think it was. He won offensive line MVP at the Senior Bowl and then doubled down with a great workout in Indianapolis on Sat on Friday, rather. So I think he's a great option to replace James later on in the draft. Dalton Reisner might be my favorite offensive line prospect in this entire draft class. He can play all five positions, played center as a freshman, moved out to tackle later in his career. He has a really nasty mean streak and just finishes plays, and the Dolphins need a tone setter in that way. He could be an option if they trade back in round one or maybe at 48 if he lasts that long, which I don't think he will. Now, centers, that's the group that is really looking good down in Indianapolis and in this draft class. North Carolina State's Garrett Bradbury, he gets comparisons to Ryan Khalil and Jason Kelsey, the best centers in the NFL for a long time, an elite mover, but he also measured well in the power metrics with the bench press at 34, the broad jump, and the vertical jump. I think he's going to be a first-round draft pick and a hot option if the Dolphins do trade back. If they can't get Bradbury, another great option would be Texas A&M's Eric McCoy. He was the second best interior lineman for my money in the field on Friday. He's technically refined. He can climb to the second level, and he also has the ability to drop that anchor and pass protection and hold up and create that interior pocket that quarterbacks mostly need, aside from a few guys in the league. So I think Bradbury and McCoy are the cream of the crop in this class. Elgin Jenkins from Mississippi State, or I think it's Elton Jenkins, the G is silent, out of Mississippi State. He's more power player, but he looked really choppy and effortless in his glide in the mirror drill where you have to follow a guy back and forth and kind of slide step it I think the Dolphins would just be wise to go after one of these three guys in this draft class and get the center position solidified because it's very important to get your protection calls and just to be the guy in the center of the of the entire offense and especially when the Jets are going to probably come back with Quinn and Williams we've had a lot of problems blocking guys like Damon Harrison Leonard Williams over the years let's go ahead and get that position solved and give ourselves a fighting chance up the middle on the offensive line now, as far as guards go, he will hate to hear this, but I think Jonah Williams could be an all-pro left guard in the NFL like Quentin Nelson was. He wants to play left tackle, but I just think that he's better served to go inside. I think he's a real option at pick 13 for the Dolphins. A true left guard, I've talked about him several times on the podcast. Boston College's Chris Lindstrom, Daniel Jeremiah made a great note after he ran his 40 times saying he can just run out of the tunnel and go right to New England and be their second round draft pick. Well, if the Dolphins want to intervene there, they can draft him with 48 overall before the Patriots get a chance to take him and make him their starting left guard because he has that physical mentality. And also remember, Brian Flores is a BC alum there, so that connection remains intact between Lindstrom and Brian Flores. Penn State's Connor McGovern, I thought, had really quick light feet in the slide drills as well. He's a definite option option for an outside zone scheme. And you know, the more I talk about this group and this entire draft class, don't get me wrong, Kyler Murray is still my boy. And I think he's going to be an electric player that changes the league forever, really. I think that the Dolphins' best option right here is to go ahead and just move back and load up on these offensive line prospects and load up on the defensive backs we're going to talk about on tomorrow's podcast. There's a good opportunity to really rebuild some of the problem issues on this roster for the Dolphins. And it does start with this offensive line that has plenty of holes. But next on the podcast here, we're going to talk about the position everybody wants to know about. I'll tell you about the qualities the Dolphins look for at quarterback and also predict who the long-term franchise starter is going to be of this team, the one that ultimately decides the fate of Brian Flores and Chris Greer. We'll do that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. 
If you are listening to this on a Sunday, you are the best. I love you guys so much for just putting so much time into this podcast and trusting me as your number one source for all things Miami Dolphins football. It's been a busy, busy weekend for me over here watching all things Combine, trying to get these confirmed visits in players the Dolphins have met with, and just giving everybody the idea of what this team could be looking for at specific positions. And we talked about the offensive line, tight ends, receivers, and running backs. Well, let's go ahead and stop burying the lead and talk about the quarterback because I mentioned it in the previous segment that the Dolphins are going to miss out on Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray. Daniel Jones and Drew Locke, for my money, are not franchise-changing quarterbacks. And then you have that big drop-off where you can just kind of go after prospects that you can hope to mold and develop one day. But that's not going to be the type of guys that really keep Brian Flores and Chris Greer in office for a long time. And the first thing I want to mention here before we get into this prediction is that quarterbacks the Dolphins are looking for, and you can go back to my column up on LockedOnDolphins.com. I think it was the Thursday, maybe the Wednesday podcast last week, talking about Brian Flores and Chris Greer, speaking to the media about the traits they look for in a quarterback. They want a strong communicator, a guy that can really command the respect of the entire locker room and pulls that group together and galvanizes them, doesn't make them divisive in the way that Ryan Tannehill unintentionally did last year or guys like maybe Josh Rosen are going to do in Arizona this season but guys that really bring the whole group together and guys that are sharp on the whiteboard and that's why I think that Dwayne Haskins would be a good option if he was there at 13 for them to fall in love with I just don't think it's going to happen so those are the traits the Dolphins really love the leader the the tangible the intangibles you can look at because a lot of guys in the league have intangibles and it does not work out for them that's a direct quote from Brian Flores and I believe Chris Greer said something very similar to that as well but if you're looking at the idea of tanking this season and winning two or three games and going after Tua Tonga-Vailoa, it sounds great in theory, but that's if you do that, that means you have a head coach problem because head coaches that win two or three games or one game in a season, they either get fired or they come back and they just weren't that good of a head coach because it's hard to lose 14 games in a season no matter how bad your roster is because frankly, the talent discrepancy in the NFL is not that great and a lot of the fine details that get ironed out in the middle of a game come from poor coaching and that was the case several times with the Dolphins in the past and that's what happens with these teams that are awful and just cannot win games like the Cardinals last year under Steve Wilkes, one and done. The last head coach to survive a number one draft pick season where he was the worst team in the NFL and come back and be successful was Jimmy Johnson. And that was in the early 90s. So you want to go 30 years back to find a guy that can do that again? It's not going to happen. If the Dolphins lose 14 games, Brian Flores is not your guy. So if you value him, then you have to consider the fact that tanking is not really there. So that means no Tua Tonga-Vailoa. That means Oregon's Justin Herbert. That means Washington's Jacob Eason. Utah State's Jordan Love. Georgia's Jake Fromm. Or somebody who is definitely going to rise up the process that we're not even talking about and get himself into this conversation because it happens every single year. My way too early prediction is that Jake Fromm is the Dolphins quarterback in 2019 and the guy they build this entire thing around going forward. You might not like that, but let me tell you why it's going to happen and why it's a good idea. Even at age 18, in his appearance on the Netflix Quarterback 1 series, I just love the way this guy approached the game and his infectious personality and his love for the game, which goes back to Chris Greer and Brian Flores' comment. They want guys that prioritize football and love football. He is so beyond his years, even at that age, before he got to Georgia and went to national championships and went to college football playoffs and went to SEC championship games. 
there's kind of that it factor that orbits around him. And there's a great scene on the show where he has an AC, AC joint sprain, the same thing that Ryan Tannehill had, and he is completely beside himself that he might not get to go play with his brethren. And you go to Justin Fields, the kid that went to Georgia, the backup Jake Fromm, he had a similar injury, I think, to his foot or something, and he couldn't care less that he was missing time. But Jake Fromm wanted to be out there for his guys. I loved him from that moment on. And you can just see kind of the camaraderie that he develops around him. He's an easygoing guy. The love of the game. He has the big stage experience. He has the physical traits you want to see. Not the biggest arm, but he has adequate enough to get it done and a tremendous cerebral aptitude for the game. They show him working on the whiteboard in high school even, and he's very advanced for that age. Blows the coaches away all the time in that video. And then of course goes to Georgia as a freshman, a true freshman nonetheless, and goes to the national championship game and almost beats Alabama in that championship game in overtime. And real quick here, lastly on this point, I think the Dolphins are going to want to build a strong defense and strong running game to port to Miami because it makes teams wilt in the heat and it's also portable in the wintertime. Well, Jake Fromm has a lot of experience managing a team with a strong defense and playing smart football in that aspect with a strong running game and being kind of a contributor and a distributor early on in his career before he can take the next step and be a big-time difference maker in the offense in year two, year three, year four. So Jake Fromm, to me, makes a ton, a ton of sense for this Dolphins team. He fits the traits they list, the traits they like. And I think come this time next year, you're going to hear a lot of reports about the Dolphins falling in love with Jake Fromm and making the moves necessary, whether it's picking him third overall or 10th overall, whatever it might be. I think Jake Fromm's going to be the guy the Dolphins go after in next year's draft. Okay, and before we send you off here and get out of here for the day on the podcast, let's go over these Dolphins confirmed meetings. And this goes back to the Shrine game, the Senior Bowl, and the Combine. The quarterbacks on the offensive side of the ball will do defense tomorrow. The quarterbacks, Kyler Murray out of Oklahoma, Drew Locke from Missouri, Daniel Jones from Duke, Will Greer, West Virginia, Jared Stidham, Auburn, Brett Rippon, Boise State, and Jordan Ta'amu at Ole Miss. Receivers just won so far. Riley Ridley out of Georgia. I've got no running backs. I've got no tight ends. I told you guys about running backs on Friday. Scratch that. That's an unreliable source. Offensive line, Jawan Taylor out of Florida. Andre Dillard out of Washington State. Go Cougs. And Lamont Gilliard out of Georgia. So Dolphins putting their focus on the quarterback so far. We'll get more of these as the time goes along. It just depends on who reports them and makes them available. But that's what we have for now. There's a lot more defensive visits as well. Like I said, we'll cover that on tomorrow's podcast, which I'm probably going to cut some class on school tomorrow for to watch the defensive backs work out. Get an article up on LockedOnDolphins.com, just like the one I have up there right now on the offense. We'll have the same thing tomorrow on defense and a podcast on both of those things out late tomorrow night, possibly early Tuesday morning. And this is the kind of coverage you new listeners can expect from us going forward. Last year, we were the very first ones ahead of any national outlet, any local paper on the Dolphins 2018 schedule. I have my same source for that this year, so we'll come back with him and have that for you guys sometime in mid-April. We'll have film workups on all the new free agent acquisitions. I'm really hoping I can get into Trey Flowers here soon because he has some great film to watch. We'll have interviews with people close to Miami's draft picks like we did last year with Alabama's Minka Fitzpatrick and their equipment manager on the sideline, as well as Kalen Balazs, the strength and conditioning coach at Arizona State, will have in-depth studies of their games and what they'll be asked to do in Miami. So, so much information on the podcast. I mean, seriously, you don't even need another source for your Dolphins football. But as for today's show, guys, that is going to be my time. If you have a smart speaker or a Bluetooth capability in your car, just say play Locked On Dolphins podcast and fire that thing up really quickly in your car or at your home. Also, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating 
rating, leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for part two of the Combine edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.